It is an amazing day to be alive. Ah. <laughs> if you have your Bibles this morning, why don't you take them to John chapter 14? Actually, sorry, John 15. 14 is right before 15, so it might be on the same page. In my Bible, part of 14 is on the same page. But let's go there. John chapter 15. I want to do a couple things this morning. I want to, um, there's, there's, I don't know how we're doing for time here. We think we have lots. Oh, yeah, we got lots of time. We're good. Tons of time. What I'd like to do this morning is uh, I want to look in the Word at a few things, a few words in the Word, and then I want to um, talk a little bit about more about our transition and what's happening, almost like a State of the Union address, and just share openly and transparently as, as possible to, um, to, the, to our body. And then the third thing I want to do is um, at the end of, once I'm finished sharing, we want to play a prophetic word that um, has really, really encouraged us in the last, as a leadership team, in the last few months, but especially now. I don't know if you've ever had this where you get a prophetic word or God shares some, something through somebody and, and you have this word and it's like, okay, I think I know what that means. I think I've got a grid for that. I think this is where it is and where it fits. And then you go on into, into life a little bit more, and once you're into more scenarios and situations, now you're going, whoa, this is what that word meant. How many have ever experienced that before? And we, we feel that we're really, we're in that spot right now, and so, um, anyway, so we're highly encouraged, and we're excited about what God is doing and going to do, and so at the end of the good call on the fan, just pointed at the front row, I'm going to stand right here maybe. Um, what we're going to do is at the end, once I'm finished sharing, I want all of us to hear this word um, that came from the Catch the Fire Global Prophetic Team uh, to, for Catch the Fire Winnipeg. I want us to hear it, and then, um, and then we'll see where it goes. But I just want to say this, first of all, before we get into this, um, in the last, so we're, we're going to be six years old as a church family in March um, of this, this coming, this next year, 2020. And I would say that in the last five and a half years, the health of the leadership team has absolutely never been healthier than it is currently right now. And, and um, so let's just do this. So, and I, you know, a lot of times we don't, we don't speak out or I don't know if it's a Canadian culture thing or what it is, but um, I find that we just, we don't honor people enough. We have our thoughts about things. We think, oh, yeah, they're a great person. I really appreciate that about them. But we, I'm just saying we. I'll say we like we is in me <laughs> and whoever else this applies to. But, uh, and I just want to take a moment to honor just some people here. Oh, Ken and Jen were hosting today. And uh, Ken and Jen, I remember the day that you guys came in to catch the fire. That one morning you were sitting up in the back there. And um, I think I prophesied over you guys. And it was like God just drew you in, you know. And uh, it really wasn't anything to do with the prophetic word, I don't think, so much. I think it was, well, maybe it was, I don't know. But anyway, I do want to say this. We, we honor you guys because for many, many years now, Jen has, you know, gone forward in children's ministry and helping with the fire kids and also handling the administration of the church and all the admin details and everything, all that kind of stuff. And then on the flip side, Ken's been there a lot in a volunteer role, but um, helping out with setup and teardown and then overseeing that, set up and teardown, set up and teardown. And, uh, and then also in the whole event side of things, when we do an event, we have a conference or a weekend of ministry or whatever. And so we bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. We love you and we thank you. Yeah. And you might not, you might not see this, but 
you might, you might not see this, but there, in, in our journey of relationship, there have been times where it's been like, um, hey, we need to work on this. There, there might be some correction. There might be some, you know, some rough parts and stuff like that. And we've had challenges where it's been, man, this is challenging, but we've got to deal with this stuff. And um, the response of our leaders that in, in all those areas like that have just been absolutely amazing. And I'm like, it's cool. It's really, really cool. It's really good. So, and then, and then there's Eric and Lindsay. And um, I know... Uh, each one of our leaders that serve in like lead ministry positions, whether it be kids, administration, worship, uh, marketing, communications, all that kind of stuff, um, everyone has been so willing to just say, you know what, we're in, we're going to go for it, and uh, we believe God's called us to this. And, you know, when you guys first came in, I remember that, I remember that when actually you came with your mom and dad because you guys were living in Winkler at the time, and came in to uh, catch the fire. They'd been, they helped pioneer a church in Iceland, uh, catch the fire church in Iceland, and it was a rough experience, and they came out of that and just were kind of in hiding in Winkler, and then, uh, and then they came in to catch the fire in Winnipeg, and they're like, okay, God, let's give this another shot to say, we'll say yes to leadership, and we'll say yes to, you know, worship, and all that kind of stuff, and I remember the first time we were doing a burn, it was like a 24-hour worship and prayer event, we rented a facility outside of the city um, on the way on on Highway 59 towards Niverville, and I remember that they, they did the, they, I forget how many sets you guys did, two sets, so it was like, couple hours, three, four hours, whatever of worship you guys did. I just remember that when you guys got in there and just started to worship, didn't matter who was in the room, because it was early in the morning at one point, really early in the morning. And uh, I'm just like, whoa, this is just ridiculous how you guys make it easy for people just to step right in and just be aware of the kingdom of God here and now and just step right in. And so um, so we honor, we honor, I honor you for your gifting and for, you know, what you've um, poured out and how you're open and that kind of thing. But I also want to honor you for things that people don't see where you're pastoring a worship community and you're pastoring people, you know, on, on other nights of the, of the week and even once a month to meet with the leaders and pray with the leaders and start to raise people up and stuff. And you guys have poured into our kids so much. Our kids love you. Our family loves you. And yeah. So, and then... Uh, um, and the other thing is, too, regarding that, um, it's just so good to be a part of a team of people who just say, um, we're in, like we're just in, regardless of hardship, regardless of, you know, it's like Paul said, I've learned to be content, to have much or to have little or to be, you know, abounding in, in, in uh, resources or, or not or whatever the case is, but I've just, I've learned to be content and I really see that in the team, you know. So we bless you and honor you. And, and I know uh, Claude and Yvonne, so Claude and Yvonne have, have come in. I remember we talked a few years ago. Um, they were in transition out of pastoral leadership in a, in a scenario that wasn't, wasn't really, really the most ideal. And then uh, you guys moved back to Ontario. And I remember talking with you about this. And somehow we got, you, through the journey, you got certified with RTF, Restoring the Foundations. And I feel like you guys have really stepped into your lane with that ministry in seeing literally um, dozens and dozens and dozens of lives transformed, even in this short period of time in the last little while, through the ministry that God's given you there. And then they've, they've agreed to just, in a volunteer capacity, be here with us, catch the fire, and, um, and help out however they can. 
while running their ministry, RTF. Just by show of hands, how many have already connected with Claude and Yvonne through the RTF ministry? Just give us a wave. There's quite a few people already. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Lyle. And um, how many would say that it's been very transformative in your own personal life? <laughs> yeah. I, could, I was thinking about this today. I was thinking there are so many testimonies of amazing transformation that's taken place through it, you know? But anyway, so we honor you guys for who you are and for what you carry. And just saying yes to God, regardless of what it looks like, right? It's amazing. Let's go over to this side. Yeah. And then, um, so then we, uh, we've got uh, Chris and Katrina, who, this is, this is so cool. When, what is it now? Is, it, is this the third summer now or second summer? Is this, are we coming into? It'll be two years. Okay, two years. So two years ago, we had transition in our youth ministry, youth department. And so our leaders that were there heading that up uh, felt that they were supposed to transition out and whatnot. And, and um, when that happened, it was like, okay, we want to have something strong for youth ministry. But you always have to, it's, it's not about having the most gifted or the most, you know, the best of, that would look on the outward appearance, you know what I mean? But you need the right fit. And through a divine connection, friends of friends, you guys were coming out of Bethel, and, um, and then we, well, I guess I didn't meet you, Katrina, but I was speaking in, Edmund, or in uh, Leduc, right, in Leduc, in a ch- the church that she was a part of there, and um, uh, I guess I, I'd spoken there for some meetings, they, they had some special meetings, and uh, she was in the meetings, and she, she, after that, she said to Chris, she goes, because they were coming, they were moving to Winnipeg, and she's like, I think I found the church that we want to be a part of, blah, 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 something to that effect, yeah. Anyway, and then, uh, and then through it, um, Chris was finishing up, so he did the three years at Bethel, and was interning in the youth department there with uh, Tom, Pastor Tom Crandall, and coming to Winnipeg for, for Katrina's education, and then they came, and it was like they just fit right in, and it was like, this is just such a beautiful fit and such an easy fit. And um, I've said this a few weeks ago, and even yes, yes in the last few months or whatever, we just believe so strongly in what God has for you guys. Uh, we, we totally love you. We totally honor you for, you know, who you are, your character, and who you are. But um, in the last little while, I've seen a seasoning in you guys that's, that's beyond your years, you know. I used to, you know, I used to think this, because we started ministry when we were 20 years old, full-time. So we've been in ministry now for five years. And, um, and, uh, and in that, though, I remember I was in my credentialing interview, and this one guy said to me, he said, so what are you going to say when, you know, some little old lady comes up to you in the church you're pastoring in and says, you're only 20 years old. You're wet behind the ears. Why should I listen to what you have to say? And I thought for a minute, and I thought, you know what? I don't need to explain myself or, or try to endorse myself based on who I am. Uh, you know, my own personal natural giftings or whatever, I said I would tell that person, I've been called and anointed and appointed by the Holy Ghost. And, and what he put in me and called me to, some person can't take away. Unless, unless you know, unless I, unless I let them, right? Unless I come underneath what they're saying and be like, oh yeah, that's right, I'm pretty young, I don't know much. But then I got looking into it. It's amazing that Jesus called these disciples. And Jesus' disciples would have been between the ages of 13 and 19 years old. Really? These, these 12 that transformed the world. They, they were like young people. It's interesting how in, in, in life, in the natural, 
um, I think sometimes in the church world, we get it a little bit wrong because we always, there tends to be quite a bit of looking at age and experience and all that kind of stuff. But in, in the natural, you'll see hockey teams, and I don't know if I shared this before or not, but you see hockey teams that they're, they're now, they're now, they'll have a captain of a hockey team leading the team that's like 20 years old. You look at, look at Jonathan Taves with, uh, with um, you know, in Chicago, Winnipeg boy. Um, Sidney Crosby even before that, but for all you sports fans, I know not everyone's a sports fan, but the point being is there's, there are so many examples in the world that God is using younger people to rise up and step into things and lead things and that sort of thing. So anyway, and so, um, but we honor you guys. We're, we're so pumped for God's future for you and in you and with you. And so give him a hand. Yeah. But I want to I read, so I wanted to just start by saying that and doing that. And, uh, and then I want to get into, let's go to John chapter 15. I used to read this passage of scripture, and I'd really focus on the abiding in him. And all my fruit, the fruit in my life, comes from me abiding in him. Just nudge your neighbor, and we've already established this over the last several years, but just nudge your neighbor and say, I'm in him. And then nudge your other neighbor and say, and he's in me. Ah, I'm in him and he's in me. Yeah, I'm in him and he is in me. The fullness of the Godhead deity dwells inside me. So just how big am I? Just how powerful am I? He who joins himself with the Lord is one spirit with him. So when the enemy comes against you and you think he's coming against you, he's actually coming against the, the, the omnipotent, almighty, highest of highs, most powerful. So like, think about that for a minute. When he's coming against you in an area, he's, there's something that's so greater inside of you that he's coming against, not just, you know what I mean, he's against you. So we need to start to see ourselves the way he sees us. And in John chapter 15, we see this story here where Jesus is saying how we need to abide in him and we'll produce fruit. And so I always took this as an, an abiding word. It's like, yes, I can abide in him. I can produce fruit. I remain in him. He remains in me. I'm in him. He's in me. And there's fruit that comes. But there's a word in here that has stood out to me in the last little while. He says this. Let's read it in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear, bear fruit or that stops bearing, he cuts off and trims and takes away, and he cleanses repeatedly and prunes every... Now, this is one, the one that smacked me in the face. He continues to... Pr he prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more richer and excellent fruit. So it's not just about the dead branches in me that he, he, he takes off and he cuts out. He actually starts pruning the ones that are fruitful. So it's like there's not this idea in the mentality of the kingdom of God that says once I've hit a certain level, it's going to be just easy and good. And I get it. It is always good. It's just not always easy. And sometimes the pruning doesn't feel too good. <laughs> but the reason he's pruning, and it's not the devil that's pruning, it's the father that's pruning, is so that the fruit that you have can become more fruitful. 
Oh God, I want to be a fruitful Christian. I want to be a fruitful, Lord, produce fruit in my life. What we're doing when we pray that prayer, it's a dangerous prayer because what we're doing is we're saying, give me the shears, Father, give me the shears, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it's not just about the dead stuff that gets pulled off and pruned off, but even the good stuff that's happening, God says, I'm going to make it more fruitful. Let me prune that too. Okay. (laughs) It's kind of like, really? And then he goes on and he says, "Um, you were cleansed and pruned already because of the word of which I have given you, the teachings that I've discussed with you. And then he says this, dwell in me and I will dwell in you or live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding or being vitally united to the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from that vital union with me, he can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, he's thrown out like a broken off branch and withers and such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire and they're burned. If you live in me, abide vitally united in me, my words and my words will remain in you and continue to live in you and your hearts. Ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. So that, that, that's a huge statement. We like that thing, ask whatever you will and it'll be done for you. But there's a key there. The word that he's given you, his words, if my words abide inside of you, then you ask and it'll be given to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? We've been singing a lot this morning. I don't know if you noticed this. The team, when they picked the songs, didn't know where I was going. Um, I didn't know where I was going either, but, <laughs> but they didn't know the songs that they were picking. I don't know if you got that first song about God's promises over our lives. Those are like words over our lives, his words over our lives. So if that promise that God has um, dropped in your spirit, if you have that promise anchored in your spirit, anchored in and, and it's like grafted into your spirit, that word is alive inside of you and you're fostering that word inside of you. At that point in time, you step into the zone of ask whatever you will and it'll be done for you. But if you're hanging on to doubt, insecurity, you're hanging on to unbelief, you're hanging on to negative voices or negative stuff that's out there like this that are trying to kill that word that's inside of you, the asking and receiving doesn't flow the same. You see that? So I want, I want to remind us this morning of words that you have, okay, we know corporately, we know personally as a, as a believer, we know the words of Jesus that give us life and that sort of thing, but also the prophetic words that you have spoken over your lives individually and prophetic words that we have spoken our, over our lives corporately as a body, as a family, as a church. There are words that are spoken, and unless that word is alive in your spirit, you can't engage in the realm of faith to, tra- to make a transaction in the spirit to receive whatever you ask. So where is that word inside of you? I think it's interesting that Paul talks to Timothy about this thing, and he says, I want you to take the word, don't neglect the gift that was given through the laying on of hands at your, at your presbytery when Timothy received prophetic words. By the way, Timothy was a young man too. 
Do not neglect the gift that was given. And it also says, and later it says, stir up that gift. He says, you need to do something. You need to, you need to actually stir up. And it also says, he goes on to say, and fight the good fight of faith using the word to wage war against the stuff that comes against you. The word that was spoken that got deep inside Timothy, and then even he uses the example, he says, and if you don't use that word to fight the war, the war and the, and the fight of faith, what will happen is you'll become shipwrecked in your faith. And he gives two examples. So I guess the question I have is, what are we doing? Let's just make it personal. What am I doing with the words that God has spoken over my life? Am I staying in a place of abiding in him and remaining in him so that I would bear fruit? And then even as I bear fruit, I bear more fruit. Or as, and am I abiding in this place where his word is abiding in me? It means it's resting in me. It's actually settling in me. What you carry on the inside, to the depth that you carry on the inside, will determine how the outward circumstances affect you. And it's not, it's not about just, you know, mental assent and thinking, I'm going to think good thoughts, because I, I know I should think happy thoughts, good thoughts. But... If you feel like today you're in a season of maybe it's confusion or hurt or maybe it's a season of um, just, conf- yeah, confusion is really what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm sensing. But it's just like, oh, God, like what in the world? If you're f- sensing that, allow his word to settle and abide in you. And you notice that place of abiding in him and that place of him abiding in you is a place that is, is completely contrary to circumstances. It's not based on the circumstances. Now go with me to Genesis. And in Genesis um, chapter 2, actually chapter 3 rather, but you know the story in Genesis, there were trees, there were two trees in the garden, well, there were many trees in the garden, but there were two specific trees in the garden, right? There was a tree of life, somebody say life, and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Okay. And he says, you can eat of everything in the garden, but don't eat of this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? And so the, the invitation, though, they, they could eat from the tree of life and live life forever. We know prophetically that Jesus is that tree of life. In fact, the connection between John chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 2, 1, 2, and 3 are greatly connected. When they partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, something happened where there was a shift in them where before, prior to that time, they were led by the Spirit. Their spirits were leading them with the Holy Spirit, with God himself. There was a connection. There was an abiding. There was a union. And they'd eat from the tree of life, and they'd enjoy that tree. They'd enjoy his presence. I believe that his presence, the glory actually covered them. But the moment that they partook of the tree of the knowledge, somebody say knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil, something happened where there was a shift between their spirit with God's spirit ruling and leading, and it shifted like this. It went, it went whoop, like that. So now all of a sudden, their soul, their mind, will, and emotions were in the driver's seat. And so now it says their eyes were open, and that's when they knew that they were naked. They saw all this stuff. That's when fear came in, shame came in, control came in, that un- unholy trinity, you know. And that thing came in, because they partook of the tree that they weren't supposed to partake of. So suddenly that word and that life that they had were abiding in and enjoying. It was like, it was cut off and there was separation that came in. So 
you know the story there where he says there, it says, when the woman saw, verse number six, that the tree was, was good, it was suitable, pleasant for food, and it was delightful to look at, and the, and, and the, and the, uh, and the tree, and, uh, and a tree to be destined, or sorry, to be desired in order to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some also to her husband, and he ate. Then, verse 7, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves apron-like girdles. And they heard, verse number 8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. And the Lord called to Adam, and he said to him, he said, where are you? As if he didn't know already, right? He says, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And then he told him, and he said this, he said this to him, verse 11, a very powerful verse. He said, who told you that you were naked? So there was this shift that took place where they were walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, and suddenly the, the, the knowledge, the mind, the soul, the mind, will, and emotions took over their lives, and they began functioning out of that place, the soulish realm, rather than the spirit realm. And when you function out of the soulish realm, which is, it's a battle that we all have, really. Usually what happens is circumstances cause us to, oh, the soulish realm comes on, and you're like, hey, how can I figure this out? How can I make this work? How can, what can I do? And we go, we engage, we engage in this, it's almost like a natural way of doing things, really. It's like, man, I think we can gain control over this situation or sort this out on our own. How can I do it? I got to understand. I got to know this and whatnot. How, I got to figure this out. Instead of abiding in him and resting in him and allowing him, it says, you know, Philippians says that, that the peace of God that transcends, supersedes understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So we've heard it said before, and we've said it here before too, if I want to access that in my life where I'm abiding in him, resting in him, him in me and me in him, I have to release my right to understand so that I can accept the peace that passes understanding. And it's, it's, it is a thing about giving up control. Are you with me so far? So... I want, I want to say that concerning everything that's happening here with us as a family as, as, as we're transitioning. And we announced it a few weeks ago about our transition. And there's going to be a transition in leadership on the, on the ground here at Catch the Fire with Chris and Katrina. Uh, stepping into a pastoral role here uh, and, and really leading on the ground here as it were. And uh, so them stepping into that. And then us as a family uh, transitioning, we're relocating to Alberta. And we're, we're going to be um, just continuing to grow in ministry outside, um, outside of just here in Manitoba. We've been going back and forth for a year and a half now. And um, uh, I guess the bottom line is um, we, we as a family are absolutely stoked about it. When I say as a family, I mean not just Papa Bear or Mama Bear, but I mean kids and the whole, I don't know about the dogs yet, but we got to figure that out. But, but um, anyway, so we're excited to step into what God has for us in, in a greater measure. And, uh, in, but in the natural, here's the thing though, you guys, in the natural, there's a battle that goes on. 
It's like, okay, what's this going to look like now? And what's this going to, you know, and, and so we've got to decide, am I going to rest in him and abide in him and trust him and the words that he's put inside of us, his words, or am I going to float around in the soulish realm and really just like, oh, I don't know what to, I can't figure this out, I can't, and get spun out because of that. Listen, the answer for your fruitfulness is always contained in the abiding in him. And then in the fruitfulness, <laughs> if we say, God, I want to be more fruitful, outcome is shears. Okay, let's cut that away. Let's cut that away. Let's cut that away. Let's cut that away. So there's a lot of things at play here that are really, really um, scary in some ways, super exciting in other ways. Yeah, exciting in other ways. Chris is exciting. Very exciting in other ways. Um, but the bottom line is um, the word of the Lord will not change. And the word of the Lord will stand forever in Jesus' name. So, if you've been with us for any, any length of time uh, as a church, you'll know that we've been through um, seasons of pruning, seasons of, uh, you know, rough waters, things that we haven't enjoyed going through, you know, people coming, people going. Um, by the way, you know, if, if you've never been involved in a church plant, and I know we say, you know, plant, even though we're, we're young as a church, but we've been established, you know, from, uh, I guess, almost six years, it'll be six years in the spring, but so five and a half years we've been, you know, planting as it were. If you read any, any kind of uh, church planting books or guys that have done it, ministers that have done it over and over again, um, you'll find that there are always seasons of pioneers coming in to help pioneer work, and then builders coming in to help build the work and settlers coming in and settling in after it's been pioneered and that sort of thing. So part of church life, especially in planting, it is hard work. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of, it's a lot of BS and T, blood, sweat, and tears. And you go for it. You work hard, you, you know, and that sort of thing. And then there's transition. People are in. People are out. We want to do the best that we can with transition. Um, I've said it before. People have asked me, doesn't it bother you that, you know, people leave or this or that? And I said, no, it doesn't bother me that people leave. What bothers me is if they leave, if they're hurt or hurting or that sort of thing. So in that sense, our heart has always been and always will be. We want people to be part of Catch the Fire Winnipeg because they feel called to be part of Catch the Fire Winnipeg. And I've said this so many times. The day that, and I get it, you know, leadership and leaders attract people and people have, you know, I really like that guy speaking. I like that guy's ministry. I like that. But the deal is you guys, we're not, we're, if, if everything is built around one person or two people, we're, we're off base. It's, it's not just about the one person or the two people. It's about what has God, what, what word are you walking on? What word are you responding to, right? And so, anyway, so in the last season then, so in the last, I would say this, that in the last year, year and a half, it's probably been the most difficult season for us to walk in and walk through. I was actually thinking about it back to even a few years ago. Since we first started the church, there have been so many things that have happened that it's been like, man, that's been, that was tough, you know? I mean, we had, we had a season where, um, we, and it was, it was glorious, and I, I've got, we got tes tons of testimonies of God doing so many amazing things. We had a season where we had 21 nights where we just went 
you know, night after night after night after night. And you'd be surprised. I still get emails about, about this where I came out to those 21 nights of ministry. Some nights there were lots of people there. Some nights there were only a few people there. But the testimonies that came out about, about God touching lives and transforming lives and changing them forever. And I'm going, come on, these are, these are, these are trophies in the kingdom. These, these lives that have been transformed. And in the middle of that, it was amazing. In the middle of that, then my father-in-law passes away gets sick and passes away. It was like very sudden. And it was like, whoa. And it was like, and in that moment, I remember the team that was part of, that were, that were there rallied around. They're like, hey, let's just go. Let's, you know, let's go for it. Whatever you guys need, that sort of thing. So there was a rallying that took place. And it's interesting that character and bonds of people that God draws together, they're not forged in the riding the wave of bliss and fun. Those kind of things are forged when the crap hits the fan. How am I going to respond in, in a time of difficulty? What am I going to do when in this, in this time, in this season? And it goes back, I believe, to John chapter 15 about the pruning. 